Hey, welcome to this week's podcast. We're still in the series entitled The Power of All. And if this message blesses you, we would love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook and Instagram page. And without further ado, here's Pastor Daniel Cruz. Vision is interesting because vision provides two primary functions. Everybody say two primary functions. <clears throat> Vision provides two primary functions. Uh, number one, and those of you that are taking notes, please write this down. Vision describes the future. It gives you a window into the future. What we will look like when we talk about vision for our families, what our families will look like. When we talk about vision for a corporate body or a church, what are we going to look like? Where are we headed? So the vision provides two primary functions. Number one, it describes the future. This is what it's going to look like. And then number two, please write this down, it, it defines the present. It defines the present. Why is this important? Well, because it tells us why we are how we are now. It enables us to interpret accurately what is happening currently in our lives. So when you have a vision and you live by a vision, not only does it describe the future, but it defines the present. Somebody say amen to that. And, and we're going to see how this plays out very, very uh, interestingly. God has a vision. How many of you know God has a vision? God just did not send His only begotten Son into the world without having a vision, a destination, uh, a goal. Somebody say amen. amen. He didn't just operate on happenstance. He didn't operate just on que sera, sera, whatever shall be, shall be. And let's just take things on a day-to-day -day basis. No. When God carried out His plan all the way back in Genesis, He was operating on a vision. Somebody say, a vision. You see, the Bible says that without a vision, the people perish. And the very one who said that is the one who knows full well how to operate within the context of His own vision. Somebody say, Amen. We never really think of God as having a vision. We always think about ourselves as individuals, organizationally, corporately, needing a vision, and so on and so forth. But we never really think about God operating within the context of a vision. But it's true. God operates within the context of a vision. Listen to me very carefully. God has a vision and His vision reveals what the future will look like. Read your Bibles. You'll see when God speaks, He speaks not just from a present perspective, but He speaks from a future perspective. He says, this is how it's going to end up. He puts that before us, before you, before me. Why is this important? Because if we don't see where we're going, we'll never interpret accurately where we are. You might want to write that down. Is there an amen? If you don't know where you're going, you will not ever accurately interpret what you're experiencing right now. And in fact, you won't even tolerate it. Listen to this very carefully. Vision, God's vision, not only shows us and reveals to us what the future is going to look like, but it also helps us to define the present more accurately, as I mentioned. Now let's talk about Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus real loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus and how important his father's vision was to him. Listen to this carefully. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ became a man. Everybody say, Jesus became a man. Watch this. What does that mean or what are the implications of that? Well, it's very important that we understand this at least to a certain degree. Watch this. Because Jesus became a man, he limited himself as a man. He what? 
he limited himself. Everybody say, he limited himself. In other words, the Bible says he took upon himself a human nature, not just the likeness of man. The Bible literally teaches he took on a human nature. That's huge. So it wasn't just God disguised as man. It was God becoming man. Are you all here? So that's very, very important. Why? Well, watch this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says this, because Jesus, because Jesus came as a man, limited himself as a man, he took upon himself the sin, the human nature. It says he stripped himself from his attributes. In other words, though Jesus was the son of God, he no longer operated as God while on the earth. That's important. Why? You'll see why vision was so important in the life of Jesus. Uh, if you don't understand that he stripped himself from the likeness or from, from his God attributes, hello, you might say, well, no, pastor, he didn't strip himself entirely from his God attributes because he raised the dead. And he, he also was able to discern and able to do this and that and so on and so forth and cast out devils. He was operating as God. No, 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 no. He was operating under the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are also available to you and to me. So Jesus' miracles were not God doing it, it was man under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Is this okay? That's the only reason why he would later go on to say, greater miracles than these, greater works than these shall you do. Is there an amen in the house? Either you all get excited or I'm going to have to get excited for you. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout yes. Are you all hungry for the word of God? Now watch this. It says he stripped himself from his attributes. Jesus was the son of God, but he no longer operated as God while on the earth. So he needed to know. His father's vision. Because his father's vision was going to reveal his future and interpret his present. Watch. How do we know this? Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Watch this. It says, We do... This by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because, watch this, because of the joy that he knew would be his afterward. Watch this. Let me read it from this version. It says that because of the glory that was set before him, that's vision. Because of the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, because he knew where he was headed, he was able to accurately interpret what he was going through, even if it involved pain, suffering. Come on, somebody. When you don't have a vision, suffering makes no sense. The Bible. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus, watch this, endured hardship. Why? Because of the glory set before him. In other words, he had a vision and he knew that his present, no matter how it looked, 
was not going to detour, derail him from where he's headed. When you have a vision, you understand that whatever you're going through now, you may have to go through in order for it to set you on course to where you're going. In other words, you won't abandon ship when the storm begins to toss your boat around. Is there an amen? Because you know where you're going. Somebody say amen. amen. You know where you're going. And so you interpret things accurately. As a church, as a church, when a church has a vision, we have a vision. God has given us a vision of where we're headed. Uh, watch this now. But not only is he giving us a vision to where we're going, but because he gives us a vision to where we're going, we're able to more accurately understand and interpret where we are right now. Are you listening to me? And watch what it says. It says, he was willing to die a shameful, watch, death. I like this. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Watch how it says it in the New Living Translation. It says, disregarding its shame. What does that mean? Disregarding its shame. In other words, Jesus was set on course to fulfill vision. He knew where he was headed. He knew where he had to go. And so watch this. He said, if the cross is on the way to where I'm going, then I'm willing to endure the cross and everything that comes with it, watch this now, and disregard the shame. There are things, when we have a vision as a church, we need to disregard. We need to disregard. We need to disregard a whole bunch of things because if we know where we're going and we know what God wants to do with us as a corporate body, is there an amen? Listen, there are people gathering in churches all over America, not to mention Chicago, that are going for services and really not operating in a vision. All they know is what happens from service to service. But when all you live for is service to service and Sister Philomena steps on your big fat toe, you will abandon the ministry, you will abandon that church, you will look for another church and give whatever excuse you may want to give, but the reason why you are easily plucked off or plucked out of a, of, a, of a place is because you don't operate, nor are you operating in a vision. You don't know the corporate vision. And maybe to the chagrin of the leadership. I've, I've ministered at pastor's conferences many times. And I'll tell you what. You want to hear crickets chirping? You, you want to you see a blank stare back at you? Ask a pastor what is the vision of his church. Most pastors, or shall I say, a lot of pastors, don't have a clear vision as it relates to where they're going. And because they don't, they bypass ever articulating it, let alone putting it down in writing. And so you ask the average person in their church, what is their vision? They can't answer you accurately. And when they can't answer you accurately, this is what begins to happen in those type of, of, of situations. You begin to have a lot of schisms in the church. You begin to have a lot of division in the church. Why? What is division? Division. Dividing vision. You have opposing directions. Are you listening to me? And not just two opposing directions. Oftentimes, it's a multiplicity of opposing directions. And so everyone is out for themselves. 
Everyone is out for their own ministry. Uh, it's me and the youth ministry. It's me and the children's ministry. And it's me and the discipleship uh, ministry. It's me and the worship ministry. It's me and this and this and that. And so there's a fragmented approach to ministry. No one's working in the same direction, nor are they implementing energy to reach a destination. You see, when, when a church understands vision and that we are all operating in one vision, in the power of, in the power of, all, then we know your success is my success. When the, when the youth succeed, I succeed. When they're making it, I'm making it. When the children are making it, I'm making it. When the marriages are thriving, I am thriving. Even if I never get involved in that particular ministry. But I know that we are achieving a goal. We're in a direction. We're going someplace. Is there an amen? We've been on this since the beginning of the year. Why? Because it's important. You see, we, if, we, if all we do is become too topical in our, in our subject matter, and if all we do is preach uh, different disconnected messages and none relates to the other, uh, what ends up happening is that we never consolidate as a body, and we're never in unison. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I don't want to be too intense, just came, just came from a vacation. <laughs> Let me calm down. Now watch this. Glory to God. Because of the joy, watch this, that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he understood the sacrifice. You see, God has called us to build him a house, to build him a house in a community called the Belmont Cragen community. How many young people are there? There are an estimated over 27,000 young people, teenagers, hear me now, children, teenagers, and young adults in the Belmont Cragen area, over 27,000. My question is, how many are being reached? Who is by design, by design, approaching or seeking them out? Is there an amen in the house? Who's putting the effort? Who has a vision to reach them? Well, can I tell you, I have a vision to reach them. We have a vision to reach them. Is there an amen? We as a church have a vision to reach them. And we're going to reach them in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Now listen to me very, very carefully. Why is vision important? Because I see the future. Number one. Number two, because I can endure today. Because I can see the future, I can endure today. The cross, the pain, the sacrifice becomes palatable. I understand it now. And number three, because it helps me disregard the shame, disregard the ridicule, disregard the, uh, the criticism, uh, disregard whatever I go through. How many of you know that when you are fighting for something or operating in vision, somebody say operating in vision. How many of you know when you are operating in a vision and you don't want anything to get in your way, listen to me carefully, how many of you know you open yourself up for criticism and ridicule? Is there an amen? Uh, people will criticize you. It's not all that. Uh, you don't have to sacrifice so much. You don't, you don't have to bend over backwards like that. You, you, you don't have to do this, this, that, and the other. They're always looking for the way of least resistance, the path of least resistance. Are you listening to me? Uh, but when you are adamant about fulfilling something in your life that God has given you and, and it's crystallized and it's, and it's clear as day, um, you're going to be put, put yourself up for criticism. That's okay. I'll disregard that. I'll disregard the critics. By the way, never, never, never 
listen to your critics more than you do your encouragers. Never, ever place more weight on your critics more than you do on your encouragers. Because people have a tendency to do that. I can't tell you the times I've encouraged people, I've poured into people, I've taken people, and, and by the way, this is for the glory of God, not for my own fleshly glory. But I know what it is to be at people's homes, taking them groceries and helping them in their hour of need and pouring into their lives and speaking encouragement into their lives. And all they need to do is go on social media and post something about the church and how wonderful and Pastor Daniel and so on and so forth. And all these encouraging words, praise the Lord, you go on, boy. You continue. Amen. I'm happy for you. And that one person says, oh, really? You go there? And then all of a sudden, the person is discouraged. Never mind the encouragers. One critic robbed them. Are you listening to me? You know why I never hear any criticism about me, my wife, or our church? I'm on social media, you all. You know why I never hear it? Because I don't look out for it. I don't look out for it. And because I don't look out for it, I don't see it. I don't hear it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Is there an amen? Everybody loves me. I'd rather choose to believe that than, than, than about anybody else. Is there, I'm not going to give any kind of energy, uh, invest any energy into my critics. I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. Praise the Lord. Usually our critics, listen, usually my critics and your critics are people that are busybodies, people that don't really do anything. They're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. They're not doing anything of eternal value. Come on, somebody! Thank you for that, Henry. I love Henry's praise. When you know, when you know you're preaching good, it's when Henry says, Yeehaw! Now you know you've made it. Glory to God. Love you, man. Where do we see this played out? Well, we see this played out in every single patriarch. The power of vision to move people in a direction where there is a goal and a destination in spite of the hell and the sacrifice needed to get there. Watch this now. Abraham. Let's look at Abraham for a moment. My time is, is really up, but listen to this carefully. Abraham, the Bible teaches this. Verse 8 of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. Let's break this down real, real quickly. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Everybody say, a place. Say it again. One more time. He was called to go to a place. He was called from point A to point B. He was called to go to on a journey. He was called to go to a destination. This destination was a place. Watch this. He went, and it was known as, by the way, the promised land. Everybody say the promised land. Even though he did not know where he was going. Glory to God. How many of you know, how many of you know that when God places a vision before you, you don't know the road you're going to travel on to get there? But as long as you know, God has prepared a place for us. He's prepared a place for this church. He's prepared a place for us. Glory to God. And we have to obey and move forward no matter what is needed in order to get there. Somebody say amen. amen. So it says here, he obeyed and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith he made, watch this, his home in the promised land. In other words, the promised land was the vision. And he made his home there. So he was, in essence, operating 
in the now, but his heart was already there. Somebody say amen. Then it says, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents and did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he, watch this, who? Abraham. He was looking forward to the, to the city. Don't miss this. It doesn't say he was looking forward to a city, abstract. He was looking forward to the city. This wasn't an abstract thing. This was a defined location. I'm going to the city. What city? The city that's, that I'm impregnated with. The one God made known to me. Is there an amen? amen. Glory to God. Watch this. And he made his home the promised land. He says, verse 10, For he was looking forward to the, the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I can stay there, but I don't have time. It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered himself, what? Faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead came descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. By faith, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Don't miss that. Don't, don't miss what, what, what we just read. He who embraced the vision, he who embraced the promise, Watch this. Sacrificed his one and only son. It didn't make sense. The sacrifice, the, the request to sacrifice his only son. You know why Abraham did what he did? Because he had a vision that there was a city. It was a promised land. And my descendants would be as the stars of the sky and as the grain of sand on the seashore. And because I embraced that promise, now everything that is happening to me has to be interpreted through the vision. Because if I didn't have a vision, I would never sacrifice Isaac. We have a vision, and this vision is to see a building used to reach an unreached generation. It's a vision to transform lives, and it's a vision to build dreams. Now watch this, because churches oftentimes, when you ask them about their visionary statements, their statement of their vision and their mission they have some pretty cliches. Well, because of this, this, that, and the other. Sometimes they'll even go online and just pull things out of a hat because they sound good. But not here. When I talk about building dreams, I'm really talking about creating a vision for people's lives, their families, their individual lives, as single people or their family life. We're talking about transforming lives where you come to this church, watch this, where you come and you will dawn the doorsteps of our building on Fullerton Avenue that is currently under underway as it relates to renovation. And that you see people coming in there who's who have no dream for their lives, who, who have no sense of direction for their lives. And, and they come into faith world and we provide for them a, a dream, a vision. And we literally serve God to bring about transformation in their lives. Somebody say transformation in their lives. Watch this. I, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. 
This church is filled with stories that are the evidence of the vision of this church, that are the, the evidence of our mission as a church to build dreams and to transform lives. I bring to you the story of Rich and Betsy Santiago. Rich and Betsy Santiago. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Their lives, when they arrived here, were already on a spiral downward, downhill spiral. Rich's mother, she died at a young age. He, Rich, when his mother died, was 20 years old. She died of alcoholism. Rich, his father, he whom he never met, also died at a young age. His grandfather, which was the one who really took him in and the one who really became his father, also died when Rich was only 16 years old. So the only people he knew as parents, which was his mother and which was his grandfather, both died by the time that Rich was 16. Interestingly, they both died of causes due to addictions. Rich's mother was a person who basically died of alcoholism, and the grandfather, as I mentioned, his father, if you will, died of drug addiction. Rich began to live a life that was one of those lives that we see and we look at in a way that uh, is not in any way appealing or admirable. Uh, Rich began to join a gang. He joined the Latin Kings of Humboldt Park. He was involved in this gang life, and he did it more than anything out of survival because he needed to make money. He never took drugs, never even uh, drank, didn't like to, but he did involve himself in selling drugs. So he found himself in this gang, selling drugs, involved in all sorts of gang life activity. He was involved in uh, shootings. They shot at him multiple times. They sought to kill him. And he found himself really at a point where his life had completely no meaning. He found himself sleeping in his car. He would find himself sleeping in one friend's house one night and a, another friend's house another night. He would find himself also sneaking into his girlfriend's house in order to just simply get rest that night. He would find himself sleeping in his girlfriend's room, his girlfriend at the time, which was Betsy. And so here you have a young man who, by all intents and purposes, didn't really have a dream, didn't have a vision for his life. He was living from day to day. Betsy had Christian parents, and they were always seeking to instill in her right values, righteous values, godly values, but she completely rebelled against that. And what's interesting is that when they arrived to our church, they arrived to our church because something had piqued an interest in them. They had been invited to come, and they had also been driving past our church, and they looked up at the church, and at the time, our church was decked out with neons and so on and so forth. And so, on. so they thought it was a club. They thought it was a nightclub. And you see, they were just in and out of nightclubs. So they said to themselves, we've got to visit that place one day. Well... One thing leads to another, and someone invited them there. They had heard about the church, and they said, well, let's go see. They realized it wasn't a club at all. It was a church. When they walked in, they walked in at a point where they were living together. Rich and Betsy were not married. 
they already had a child out of wedlock. Betsy was already determined to leave Rich. Rich really had the attitude, well, it may be best for us to go our separate ways. So they were at a point of completely dissolving their relationship. And they walk into a church that had a vision to build dreams. They walked into a church that had a vision to transform lives, where it wasn't just a motto, it wasn't just a cliche, it was a mission. It was a, a mission birthed in the, at, at the core of who we are as a ministry. Rich and Betsy would come to church. The very first day that they came in, God speaks to them prophetically, singles them out. They come forward and God speaks into their lives. The Lord reveals the anger that's inside of this young man, now 20 years old, standing here in this church he thought might have been a nightclub. And God is speaking into his heart. God is speaking into his life. God literally opens his chest cavity and begins to reveal the anger he had, the anger he was walking around with, the anger for his father not being in his life. Come on, somebody. The anger of him losing his, own pater his only paternal figures at a young age, at the age of 16, the anger of having to be living from one house to another house to another house, not having a stable life, sleeping in his car, the, the, the anger of being shot at, the anger of living this risk-filled life. But he walked into this church, and God begins to speak into his life. Rich decides on coming back, and when he comes back, God continues to work in his life, continues to speak into his life. Rich and Betsy, I remember one day they were there in our church at the altar and God challenged them about getting married, making it right. At that point, they decided, let's get married. Listen to me very carefully. One thing led to another. They got involved in the life of the church, allowed myself, allowed my wife, allowed others to speak into their lives to disciple them, to challenge them, to speak into their, into their everyday life. They end up, after a while, giving birth to another child. Her name, Kiani. She's a part of our young people, our youth leadership today. But I want you to listen to me very carefully. What would have happened to Rich and Betsy had they, had never, had they never walked into Faith World Church that day? Perhaps they would be completely dissolved in a, as a relationship, their life would have been probably worse off than it's ever, ever, ever been and that it ever was before. But God took this couple and little did they realize that when they walked into that church, they would be pillars in this church. They would be instrumental in pouring into couples, in pouring into marriages, in speaking into married people's lives. You know how many marriages have been touched by the ministry of Rich and Betsy? You know how many marriages have been impacted by the hospitality that this couple has, has provided and served us with in this church? Why? Because this church had a vision to see people's lives transformed and dreams happen. Is there an amen? Everybody stand to your feet. When we, when we talk to you about the power of all, and when we talk to you about being a part of the vision of this church, we're, 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 we're talking to you about coming closer. We're talking to you about stepping aside your own agendas and uniting to a vision to build people's lives and to transform lives. Now, we're not telling you to give up your own dreams. We're not telling you to give up your own goals in life. But if your goals in life don't align themselves with God's goals for your life, then it may be a good idea to abandon them. How many of you know that's the truth? How many of you know that's the truth? Because Betsy came here and said, that's it. 
That's it. I'm leaving him. Rich said, oh, well. I'm willing to, to also leave. But they got a vision for family. They got a vision. We spoke into them. We constantly spoke into them. Listen, Rich and Betsy have been rebuked, corrected. They have been a part of the process of discipleship. We have spent countless hours in conversation throughout the years. That happens in a church that has a goal and a vision to see people's lives transformed and dreams built in their lives. Is there an amen in the house? So when we come into this church, we have to come in the power of all. You know, when we started, the, when I came up here and began to direct, to lead you, if you will, in the second half of this service, I detected that there was a disconnect in the atmosphere. That's important. Because when you can go in a service and through a service, but not care if the people are connecting, then it's a missed opportunity. And sure, I may come up here and do my thing. And, and Dennis may come up here and do his thing. And the worshipers may come up here and do their thing. But if we are not doing our thing, God's thing, are you listening to me? We'll miss out. And I'm not saying that during the worship there was a disconnect. But somewhere along the line it happened. And so as a leadership, we need to know, wait a minute, hold on a second, let's apply brakes. We're going someplace. We're going someplace. Somebody go like this. Wind check. Wind check. You know what mariners do? You know what mariners do or those that are, those that are out at sea? Oftentimes they'll go. It helps them to know which direction the wind is blowing. In a church, we have to know which direction the wind is blowing. Is there an amen? Is there an amen in the house? I want you to connect to the person next to you. Hold their hand. Can you do that, please? Vision. Listen to me. Please don't forget this statement that I'm about to make. It's not really about you building the church. It's really about the church building you. Is there an amen? It's not really about us building the church. It's about the church building us. Is there an amen? And so it's important for us to understand that when you are a part of a local church body, not just an attender, but you are a viable part, intricate part of a church body, that church is building you, your families. Your families will be impacted. How many of you are going to walk away today just solely based on what Rich was sharing in that little moment there that he was now washing and he was now sweeping, serving his wife, speaking her love language? I guarantee you that there was a man here today that a light went off. Bing. Mm, I can do that. I can do that. And for some of you, you can serve your wife all you want, but if that's not her love language, her attitude's going to be, well, you should be doing that. You ought to be doing it. What do you want? A trophy? That's where it hits the soul. But you might say, well, I'm not like that. I'm not like Pastor Daniel. I'm not, so what? Well, you do exactly what you need to do. Get out of your comfort zone. Step out 
out of the box. Give her words of affirmation. How beautiful she looks. How, how you love her and how she's the only woman for you and how she causes your heart to skip a beat whenever she passes by. My wife is tired of hearing that. I tell my wife all the time, don't do that to me. Don't you do that to me. She goes, what? Pass by me like that. Oh, Lord. Jesus. I'm like, don't do that to me, baby. Come on, no, we're going to church. We're on our way to church, yo. So, so, so watch this. I'm always speaking. And, and she knows that my love language is words of affirmation. And so she knows. She, 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 she has to tell me something. She has to tell me either I look good, even if I don't. <laughs> my, my, my love language is words of affirmation. And here you have Dennis telling me I look like Captain Kirk. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You are jealous. And I'm going to tell you something. If I, if I look like Captain Kirk, I am way in the future. You all need to catch up. Hold on to the person's hand next to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're not just here to build the church, but the church is building us. Your word says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you for every person at the sound of my voice. Thank you that we are operating in the power of all. That we're not here to do this on our own, but that you have set us right next to the right people, put us in the right circumstance, the right situation. Man of God, there are, there are some doors right now that are going to be opening for you. And these are doors that have been shut for a long time. And God says that God, he, he's getting ready uh, to remove the, literally the, the grasp of the demons that have been shutting that door for you. God says that you are going to find yourself moving in realms of glory, in literally in realms of glory you have yet navigated in. God says get ready because the enemy has tried to keep you. He has literally been pushing you away. But God says get ready because there's an open road. There, the stones have been removed out of your path. God says there's going to be a swift and an easy flow for you even in the days to come in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. Come on, hold your hands and say, Jesus, flow in my life unhindered by any satanic force and help us all to operate in the power of all in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. If there's, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I ask you right now to open up your heart. The same way that Rich did when he was 20 years old. How old is Rich now? How old? Where is he? Where is he at? How old are you, Rich? He says 49, the devil is a liar. How old are you, Rich? You are 49, okay. He got here when he was 20 years old. You know, you know what has kept him, hear me, you know what's kept him in this church? We can point to this, 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 that, and the other, but the bottom line is that he captured a vision for his family, his church his family, his marriage, 
Watch this. Had Rich never walked in through that door, his daughter, Kiani, wouldn't be one of the youth leaders in this church today. Watch this. And now she's enrolled at Moody Bible Institute. And is going to be going to school in the fall along with Kiara. Along with my son Aaron. You know why? Because we have a vision to build dreams and to transform lives. Give the Lord a clap offering. Repeat after me, those of you that don't know Jesus as Lord. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From this moment on, wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that my sins are forgiven and that right now, I am saved. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. If you said that prayer for the first time, please come up to me after the service. I want to know you. I want to shake your hand. Amen. Faith where we love you. God bless you all. We'll see you all this Thursday. Oh, hold on. We'll see you all this Thursday. But listen carefully. If you, if you don't have the Building a Legacy of Faith uh, Capital Campaign brochure, please, we ask you, to come and get your very own. It talks about the vision of our church, the pillars, the prophetic timeline. It speaks about the various ministries that have been birthed in this church. It is literally something you need to take with you, and it's something that is going to prepare us for Easter, that Easter offering that we're going to give. Remember, please remember the vision. Remember the mission we have to build this church, glory to God, and our goal, glory to God, especially now those of you that are getting your, your income tax checks, Please, I ask of you, in Jesus' name, let's operate in the power of all. Glory to God. My wife and I, we're going to be giving, uh, our family is going to be giving 5000 Glory to God. And we're going to believe God for it. By the time uh, Easter comes, we want to have that gift so that we can give toward this capital campaign. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Make sure you're prayerful as you go through this. God bless you guys. We love you. Greet one another. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you've subscribed in order to get our latest messages. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to you on a regular basis to deliver to you the life-giving Word of God. Until next time, God bless you.